Our first reading today comes from John chapter 4, verses 7 to 14. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The second reading comes from Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 to 6. In that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord, although you are angry with me. Your anger has turned away and you, are, you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make him known among the nations what he has done and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Oh, it is muted this time. Sorry. <laughs> now, hopefully I haven't completely lost your respect uh, after sharing that story. Have you seen the, um, the documentary, The Rescue, about those kids in Thailand uh, in the flooded cave in, in 2018? I reckon it's almost impossible to watch that and not be moved. I was moved by uh, the, the courage of those, those two British divers and their determination, John Blanthan and Rick Stanton. They swam underground four kilometres through muddy, turbulent waters and they were the first ones to finally find those boys and then stuck with them to the end. And then there's our own um, Dr Richard Harris from South Australia who helped bring together the daring plan to get them out, anaesthetising them and then swimming them out through the flooded tunnels. It's almost impossible not to be moved by what they did. And that's us. You know, afar, watching them, relatively uninvested. If that's how we feel, imagine how the mothers of these boys must have felt and must feel about these guys. I imagine that they'd be bursting with praise for them, I imagine they'd be incredibly moved by the risks that they were taking for their boys. And I imagine that given the chance, they would want other people to hear about the great things that they did. Because it's like that if you've been rescued by someone, isn't it? If you've been rescued by someone, you can't help but praise the person who helped you. You can't help but be moved by them and you can't help but want to tell other people about what they've done. And that's what we see in Isaiah 12 today. 
chapter 12 in Isaiah, it brings to a close the first part of Isaiah. And for those of us who've been with us across this year that we've looked at Isaiah off and on, you might remember that first part of Isaiah paints a terrible picture of where rebellion against God takes God's people. But along the way, it also paints this beautiful picture of where God intends to take his world when he comes to rescue his people. And here in in chapter 12, Isaiah brings this part to a close and he looks forward to the way that God's people will respond to God's rescue on that day. We see in Isaiah 12 that God's rescue moves his people to praise. We see God's rescue moves his people in their emotions. And we see that God's rescue moves his people to make him known. Now, as um, Phil mentioned for us before, today is, is the last day of 2023. And so I want us today to, to do a little bit of self-reflecting. I want you to ask yourself, am I moved to praise? Am I moved in my emotions? Am I moved to make God known? And I reckon for some of us, maybe many of us, we don't always feel like praise flows from us all that easily. I reckon some of us would you know, reflect on our own hearts and, and feel like they're far too wooden. We might feel like, why don't we feel more joy? Why do I, why do I struggle to sing here on a Sunday morning? Why do I struggle to even want to be here some Sunday mornings? And so as Isaiah points to the response of God's people, we're going to reflect on, on our own response to God and his rescue as we go along. So the first really obvious thing that Isaiah points out is that God's rescue moves his people to praise. So look at verse 1 again. In that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord. And look at verse 4. In that day you will say, give praise to the Lord. And in verse 5, sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. And in verse 6, shout aloud and sing. Isaiah sees that, that God's coming rescue is going to move people to praise. Now remember the context. Remember they lived in, a, a, in very dark days because of the rise of the Assyrian Empire. But Isaiah, he sees a very different day. He sees a coming day of, of great light, the coming of Emmanuel, God with us. He sees the coming of a, a shoot from the, the stump of Jesse, a banner raised in the world. He sees the coming of Jesus and he sees the response of each and every one of God's people will be on that day, praise. And Isaiah, he sees that our praise will overflow from what God has done for us. So look at the rest of verse 1. It says, I will praise you, Lord, although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Have you ever let someone down so badly that they've had every right to be angry with you? Have you ever found the consequences of what you've done to be almost unbearable? 
when I was in my early 20s, um, I did something really insensitive and, and stupid to a friend of mine. And I, I made her so angry that she said to me, I don't think I can forgive you. And she was serious. And it was awful because it didn't just affect me. She was friends with Kathy as well. And we had heaps of friends in common. But I'd been so immature and I'd played a joke that had gone horribly wrong and there was nothing I could do but, but say sorry. So when she went away and thought about it and prayed about it and then forgave me, no strings attached, how do you think I felt? Have you ever let someone down badly like that? Maybe at work. Maybe in your family. Have you ever found yourself trapped in a nightmare like that, but then been rescued by the one you actually let down? I remember a number of years ago talking with a husband and, and a wife. He'd been looking at stuff on the internet that he shouldn't have been, and it had negatively, really negatively affected their relationship over a long time. But there was his wife putting aside her anger, sitting alongside him with her hand on his shoulder, comforting him. That kind of grace moves you. And that kind of grace, but far, far greater, is what Isaiah says will move us. God himself will turn away his anger so that God himself can comfort us. The difference, of course, is that God's anger is even more deserved and so God's grace toward us is even more astounding. This brings us to the second thing that Isaiah points out. He shows us that God's rescue moves his people in their emotions. Look at verse 2 again. Surely God is my salvation, is what they'll say on that day. I will trust and not be afraid. Look at verse 3. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Look at verse 6. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Isaiah, he sees this future where God dwells among his people, but it's a future where they, fear, they feel no fear. Instead, they feel trust in God because they only know God as rescuer and protector and so they feel only joy as they draw again and again on the benefits of God's rescue. Isaiah sees that God's people will be moved in their emotions. I was just telling a couple of you before, I've had a, a bit of a stressful week this week. Uh, on Boxing Day, Proclamation Day, I decided that I'd better check on my bees in my backyard, on the hives. Now, normally that would be uneventful. Uh, but these bees, they have a serious attitude problem. And um, they went crazy. I got stung four times through my glove. Never had that happen before. And that would be fine. But the really stressful part was that some of the bees chased me as I walked away and then flew over the fence and chased my neighbour who was having a bit of a family get-together. And it gets worse. 
because they got in her hair and stung her and then into some of her grandkids hair and stung them and it turns out one of her grandkids is anaphylactic but thankfully he didn't get stung now can you feel my horror at that i was mortified that i'd done that to her can can you feel that that sense of of shame if you did that to your neighbor now hold on to that feeling for a second because that horror is but the tiniest of tastes of how we should feel before God. I didn't intentionally hurt my neighbor, but we intentionally hurt God and the people he's made all the time. I wasn't overly negligent or taking ridiculous risks that I shouldn't have been with my neighbor, but we are negligent and we take risks with people's feelings, even with their lives. We speed. We look at our phones while we're driving. We think it'll be fine. Or we gossip. Or fail to be kind and think lives aren't crushed. Or we're not generous when we really should be. Or self-centered when we really shouldn't be. And we don't even notice the suffering that that leads to. Now, I had to get together the courage and front up to my neighbor in person, and it was awkward. But one day we will front up to God, and it won't be awkward. Do you know what it'll be like for you? It should be fear and despair and a sudden terrifying realization of the reality of hell. It should be that. But what will it be? Well, for us who've been rescued by God himself coming among us, bearing our judgment in Jesus on the cross for us, God himself turning his anger away from us, if he's done that for you, it will be the end of all fear. It will be the beginning of of complete comfort and joy. Now, as it turned out, my neighbor showed me grace It probably was helped by the several bottles of honey, the wine, the candle, the tomatoes from the garden, and the promise that I would get rid of the bees. But still, I I felt so relieved to have her anger turned away from me. Can you you feel that sense of relief? Because that relief is but the tiniest of taste of how we should feel before God. So on this last day of 2023... Has this been a year where where God has moved you to praise? Has this been a year where, where your fears have been moved to trust? Where despair has been turned to joy? Has this been a year where, where God has moved you in your emotions? If not, is it because you haven't properly realized the reality of God's anger? Or is it because you haven't appreciated just what it cost him to absorb his own anger so that you'll never face it? Now, if if you're not moved by God like this, then then we're probably not going to be moved in the last way that Isaiah points to either. The third thing Isaiah points to is that what God has done moves God's people to make him known. Look at verse 4. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, 
make known among the nations what he has done. Look at verse 5. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Now, as a, as a church, one of the things that we're really on about is, is leading people to Jesus. But if leading people to Jesus comes from a, a sense of reluctant duty for us, then something's not right. Leading people to Jesus should overflow from us being genuinely moved by what God has done for us at the cross. People love hearing stories. Uh, people love hearing personal stories. You know, as you hear about what Dr. Richard Harris did in Thailand, it's moving. When I first saw the rescue there, I think it was on Disney Plus or something, I thought, I don't want to watch that. I already know what happens. They get out. But then as I started watching it, as I saw the, the, the boys trapped, I was instantly hooked. Because personal stories are like that. They're powerful. One of the, the most powerful ways that we can lead people to Jesus is as they hear the story of how Jesus genuinely moves you in your story. Hearing what Jesus did at the cross and, and hearing how that has turned some of you away from a life given over to alcohol, some of you a life given over to drugs, hearing how Jesus has turned, turned some of you from pride and self-righteousness, hearing how Jesus has taken some of you to be chaplains in, in prisons and schools, hearing how Jesus has helped you, some of you through illness or anxiety or loss or relationship breakdown or childlessness or parenting, hearing you be genuinely moved to praise Jesus for what he's done at the cross and then how that has worked out in your life, that's powerful. So on this last day of 2023, let me ask you, has this been a year where you've been moved to make God known? Has his work in your life through Jesus' death and resurrection, his spirit moved you to praise him to others? So here's three things in Isaiah 12 worth reflecting on. Is God's rescue moving you to praise? Is it moving your emotions? Is it moving you to make God known? Now, as I've reflected on these three things myself this week, I've thought, yes, I have been moved, but at the same time I've thought, but I, I haven't been moved as much as I'd like. My heart, it, it feels trust and it, and it feels joy, but it seems to feel it faintly. Or at least the, the feeling kind of comes and goes. It, sometimes... It feels like fear is knocking on the front door while trust and joy are kind of slipping out the back door. Have you ever thought about that? Why isn't my praise like what Isaiah sees here? You know, the way Isaiah talks about it, it sounds like the crazy celebrations at the end of World War II that we've seen. So why is it that even though Jesus has come, died and turned God's anger away from me, resurrected... Why is it that it feels like our joy is not what it should be? Well, it's because of what we saw a couple of weeks ago. Remember, Isaiah looks ahead and he, he sees two mountain peaks together that look like one peak. He sees 
God's rescue, Jesus' coming. And he sees that our response will be like the joy at those World War II celebrations at the end of it. But what we see is even more detailed than Isaiah. We see that there's not one coming of Jesus, but two. We see that even though right now we have everything that God promised to Isaiah back then, we have it only spiritually through Jesus. We see that another day is coming when what we have right now spiritually, we will have physically when Jesus returns. And what this means is that right now we're saved from the consequences of sin. We'll never face God's anger. But right now we still experience the mess of sin in this world. Right now sin still clings even to our hearts. But when Jesus returns, nothing of sin will remain. None of its effects will remain. Right now we still live in a fearful world and our our hearts still struggle to trust God. Right now we still face sadness in this world and we can face it with joy, but it's the joy of anticipation of when Jesus returns. If you're in Gaza right now and you're guaranteed a visa to Australia, you would feel joy, I imagine, but it would be of a different kind to the joy you would feel as the plane touches down in Adelaide. Right now in this life, our praise is always going to be imperfect and intermittent and lackluster. But when Jesus comes back, that's when our praise and our emotions will finally be made right. So while we wait for that day, should we then not be too worried about how we feel about God? Should we be not too worried if our hearts are in the right place or not? Should we just soldier on indifferently? Well, we see what we should do in this passage. Have a look at verse 3 again. What we should do is draw on what we already have. In verse 3 it says, With joy you will draw from the wells of salvation. See, when Jesus returns, the celebrations will make those World War II, end of World War II celebrations look tame. But right now, we, we don't celebrate like that, but still we can draw on the wells of salvation. We can draw on God's forgiveness. We can draw on peace with God and what makes for peace with people. We can draw on purpose. We can draw on God's guidance. We can draw on his strength to resist sin. We can draw on the presence of God, the fruit of the Spirit within us. We can draw on God's comfort in hard times while we hope for the day that is to come. So as we go into 2024, I want to finish by sharing a few practical things that can help us draw on God like this. So first of all, it can, help, it can help to be honest with yourself and with God about how you feel. Feelings matter, but thank God, being saved by Him is not dependent on how we feel. In fact, if we, if we take our eyes off God and put them on ourselves and how we feel, that's when things start to get shaky. Constantly focusing on how you feel 
It's, it's like trying to walk along a, a wall while looking behind you to see if the feelings are following. If you're not feeling it, be honest with yourself and with God. But don't get fixated on how you feel. Instead, admit it to him. Ask him to change that. But keep your eyes fixed on God and on what he's done for you in Jesus. The next thing that can help is to realize that we are holistic people. Our physical health, our emotional health, and our spiritual health, they're not completely independent of each other. They're connected. And if you're not feeling joy and thankfulness toward God, perhaps your feelings are a bit out of whack in all of life. Are you feeling joy and thankfulness at work and at home? In this world where sickness and sadness still affects us, it affects even our spiritual lives. It affects especially our spiritual lives. Sometimes part of the answer to getting our feelings right with God is actually getting our emotions in all of life right. And physical health can help that. Mental health can help that. And spiritual health can definitely help that. The next thing that can help is to realize that you can't always choose your emotions, but you can choose to focus on what will help them. You know, when we're feeling distant to God and unmoved by Him, that's that's often when we don't want to pray. We don't want to read the Bible. We don't want to go to community group or church. We don't want to sing. But if I'm feeling distant to my wife, what's going to help change that? Will avoiding talking to her and listening and spending time with her help? Very often in in all kinds of relationships, you have to choose what you know is good for the relationship, even if your heart's not in it to start with. It's the same with God. It's especially the case with God. How can we expect to be moved by God if we're not hearing from God and hearing about what he's done for us? The next thing that can help is to choose to praise. Sometimes we're not moved to praise because we don't want to praise. But when you choose to start praising God, it's powerful. Not like a kind of magic, but more like there are always reasons to praise God and it, it always helps to choose to see them. Now, I don't mean we should praise God in a kind of trite way that downplays our pain and suffering. But I mean, when we choose to look for real reasons to praise God, we will find them. And at the same time, we will find joy. Even in really tough times, there are always reasons to praise God. And even in really tough times, we can find joy. And the final thing that can help us that I'm going to talk about today is to help others praise and to be helped to praise by others. Have you noticed the way that giving praise is an invitation to others to give praise? You know, if we're talking about, you know, Dr. Richard Harris over coffee this morning and, and you, you start praising him, chances are I'm going to chip in and, and join you in praising him because that's the way praise works. Praise leads to praise. We can help each other praise God. We can help each other be moved by God. We can do that in so many ways, uh, up the front here, in community groups, in our conversations. But one of the, the simplest and most effective ways we can do this is in our literal singing of God's praises. 
Sometimes I, I hear people say, but I, I just don't like singing. Or sometimes I hear people say, um, I just think singing in church is kind of weird and, and we don't do that elsewhere in society. Really? Music is huge in our society. And people, they might mostly just sing on their own, but there's something powerful when people sing wholeheartedly united together. I was at the BBL the other week and they started playing Sweet Caroline. And before I knew it, 20,000 people were singing along, myself included. I didn't want to, but I couldn't help it. And then as I did it, I kind of enjoyed it. Now, when we sing wholeheartedly here about things that actually matter to us, we help each other, praise God. Do you realize that? People singing in genuine praise is an invitation to praise. We can help each other praise. Or we can help each other not praise. And actually, when we sing like that, we invite the world to join us. Time and time again, I keep hearing people saying, who are not Christians, that they are moved by uh, praise when they've been among Christians. I, I had a politician knock on my door a few years ago when she was campaigning, and she told me how surprised she was to find herself moved to tears during one of the churches that she uh, visited in the singing. She was then a bit awkward, so I could tell that she wasn't just trying to... Um, get my meager vote, she was genuinely moved. Now, it's, it's true that praise is not just singing on a Sunday, but it's not less, cannot be less. We can help move each other to praise God. So be honest with yourself about how you feel. Realize that we are holistic people. Realize you can't always choose your emotions, but you can choose to focus on what will help them. Choose to praise, help others praise, and be helped by others' praise. Let me pray that, that God would help us be a people in 2024 who respond to his rescue like this. Father, we look at our hearts, our emotions, our lives, and we wonder sometimes how we can be so unmoved. We get those glimpses where we're just cut to the heart by you, by what Christ did for us, where our joy is, is lifted. And yet, Lord, we seem to leave those, those times and those feelings behind so quickly. Father, we're sorry for the way that we, we aren't moved by you more. And yet, Lord, we pray that you would keep being at work in us like we know that you are. We pray, Lord, we would keep in step with your spirit. Lord, align our minds and our hearts and our lives according to your plan. Help us to keep focusing on what Jesus has done for us and the hope that is certain and ours when he will return. And Lord, we long for that day when we will be able to shed sin and leave behind feelings and emotions that just aren't right and ways of thinking, and ways of living. Lord, we, we thank you that we can know that joy and anticipation, and we long for the day it will be fully realized. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.